0: Hello and welcome to Stories from the Christmas Tour. This is Season 3, Episode 5, Lockdown the Crazy Bread. It's September 26, 2020, and let's jump right into it. Well, it's been a while. It's been a while. Like We we have to do a quick recap of the year, but basically since August 1st, there hasn't been an episode because I've just been out of it, in a way. Busy with work and just... It's annoying to make a podcast... um, when it's just yourself and there's nothing, like, there's not a lot going on in the world, really, really that uh, is unique. And by that I mean we keep having the same things happen over and over again. Which is weird for when I did a quick write-up, just a quick recap of the year. Like, we first started the year with the threat of World War 3 Iran-U.S. war. Then we had the Australian wildfires. Then we had COVID-19, which is still around. Then we had the threat of the murder hornets, which sort of panned out. And then we had the uh George Floyd shooting ding, followed by the which was uh precipitated by not precipitated but like um for criminal justice reform and and um groups like Black Lives Matter was sort of was the final straw after you had the Breonna Taylor and the Omar Arbery uh mm-hmm. deaths um one by police Brianna Taylor and one by um people uh, former police officers acting in a vigilante capacity by the way, what's ever happened to Amrit Arbery? Um, that whole case around that seems to have sort of disappeared since um, George Floyd. And then, like, following other events, like what happened in Kenosha and then Chop and the crazy Chop in Seattle, the craziness in Portland, um, the 97% of, about the riots being peaceful. Like, we'll get onto that during the rioting. But we had that. Then we had COVID returns after everyone locked down for many, many days, you know, 15 days to flatten the curb. Well, how many days past 15 are we? But still, we're, you know, social distancing. Then we have the West Coast fires, as well as the election year in 2020 for the United States president and Congress and Senate. One third of the Senate's up, all Congress is up, and the president is up. Uh, term is up. And then, so then we have West Coast wildfires with California, Oregon, some in, some in Washington State. British Columbia for Canada had a few, um, got smoky around here for about four or five days, two weeks ago in Calgary. Not too bad since. Um, yeah, it was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday started clearing up a little bit on Thursday, like Thursday night, it really started coming in. Um, and that was two weeks ago, not last week, but the week before it, uh, Supreme Court, uh, Vacancy from Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing. And the chaos about that, because last time the Supreme Court vacancy was when uh, President Barack Obama was on his final term and there was an election coming up, and the Republicans held the uh, control of the Senate and they said, We're not going to nominate somebody uh, or confirm somebody until it's the next president. Well, now they are the party in power and they're going to be like, No, we're going to nominate somebody here. And the guys from the fifth column um, brought up the fact that. For every single year, the president has been there's been a presidential election, and the party in power is the same as the president for the Senate. There's been confirmations if it's the opposing party in power, there's no confirmation hearings. So, turns out it's not, it's all politics all along. Although, there are things that could be done. Like, the guys on the fifth column talked about the idea of. no, it wasn't the guys in the column. It was Tim Pool and some other people were talking about the idea of how they could right now permanently limit the court to nine um, nine judges only at any point in time. Because right now there's no restriction on how big or small the court could go. Nine's just been sort of the honorable thing to always keep it at because it's that means that there's never a deadlock. There can always be... A, You know, there will always be a winning side in that because you've got an odd number of people who will choose the winning side. An even number of people will probably be the dissenters. But but yeah, so there's that. So COVID-19, it's still flying around, still spreading. Um, Schools have opened in Alberta and we've had a few cases. Uh, Very few cases have been inter-school transmission Um, The first few cases involved uh, Bonus High and um, Robert Thirsk School um, in Calgary, which are both in the northwest of the city. That was because one student decided to have a party and a bunch of people came over and got caught and spread it that way. So shame on that student and shame on his parents for letting that happen, Ben. uh, And shame on the parents who let their kids go. Now, I'm going to say this. There are parents who didn't know their kids were going, and you know what, no shame on you, because I know that your kids, kids lie and go to these parties anyway, but if the parents knew and allowed it, and, like, you should at least tried. Right, just my opinion, uh, Trigger, my dog is playing underneath the table here, being a cute boy. He's always been good, I can't believe in, uh, by the end of the, this week he'll be, uh, 11 months old. Good little guy. Um... So that's happening, and of course the numbers are going up because there are more people partying, there are more businesses open, more people are in trading uh, going around. Although, interesting enough, one of the worst outbreaks is in the Foothills Hospital. That brings in a lot of questions of is the hospital, have they just failed to follow routine of trading out protective equipment between nurses, nurses and doctors, and are people not properly being isolated, and is it just spreading and their ventilation systems are Probably archaic and effed up. Um, there needs to be a lot of questions there about the administration as well as the workers at there, the janitorial service, all the way up the chain, the chain on that hospital. Like everybody from the top down needs to be questioned about that. That um, I highly believe it was incompetence, malice. I don't believe that it has to be incompetence that would cause that at multiple levels, like. One incompetent janitor would exp- explain the spread maybe among one floor, or possibly two. But to have like a hundred and so many, like nine floors now locked down, that's considerable like just failure on many, many, many levels. Which is just terrifying. And that's that's bad because those are the people who are probably are the most vulnerable outside of the extreme elderly are people in hospitals because their immune systems are most likely already... Uh, being suppressed for Medicaid medical treatments or they're already sick. So now you've got a high chance of comorbidity um, with COVID-19, which has been largely most of the cases like COVID kills you, but it's because you already had something worse and those and COVID and that work together to kill you. Like there was a stat that came out of the United States was quickly disproven where like the, like direct COVID cases alone, but, um, like If you only had COVID and you had no other medical issues, it was a very small chance of you dying Dying if you were below the age of 70. But then you start looking at like just how many people do have medical conditions, I, from being overweight, from being obese, um, diabetes, asthma, um, heart disease, um, smoking, um, use, using vaping products that are illegally made, that are black market and uh, are harmful, damaging their lungs, um, various other medical issues that would then increase the chance, um, potentially having autoimmune disease or having HIV, having a weakened immune system in general, um, being on blood thinners, like, you know, there's various other things that could cause um, that. And those things are bad. But then with COVID, you get a fatality out of it. That, and it seems like the evidence has largely shown that if you are 100% healthy and you get COVID, you have an extremely, like, ridiculously high chance of survival. But as soon as you have any ailment that, that drastically increases, like, you know, that has damaged your immune system or it makes it harder for your body to fight off anything, then COVID is a real threat, and that's logical. That's how most uh, things die anyway. <laughs> um, uh, the people who are dying of old age, it's because their immune systems are old and worn out from having a long life. Um, somebody who's a smoker uh, who smoked for his entire life and has uh, a high degree of having lung disease or cancer and they get COVID while they're getting cancer. That's gonna, you know, COVID has it makes it a pneumonia-like infection in most cases, and that's pretty bad. Yeah, it can be fatal. So then we got that, and it's it's still going on. None. Um, I think the biggest. Pr- I don't like using the phrase um, still uh, spreaders" or stuff like that. Um, super spreaders. But it would be interesting to see how these paths to transmission are happening. But so far, what we've learned is most of the outbreaks that have been happening are large groups of people getting together who don't bother social distancing. It's like, oh, let's just all go over to blah, blah, blah's house and have like a 50 or 60 person party and nobody cleans up and nobody does anything. And, you know, like, you know, somebody was had the sniffles that day and had a headache a week before. And, you know, they, they probably they maybe th- four days ago were at a diner that now has to has to have been closed because that night they were there. Somebody with COVID was spreading. You know, there's a lot of questions that uh, that are being asked, and it's just taking too long to get the correct um, information between the people who have had it and who are spreading it. And then you've got also the militant uh, anti-vaxxers and people who just don't want to do anything, don't want to wear a mask, don't want to take personal responsibility that they can affect others. You know, if you don't want to wear a mask, fine, stay home like have your food delivered to you have have um have your groceries delivered to you use amazon prime like you know that's that's your choice you can work from home if your company allows it like you'll just that's that will be you but if you want to go out and enjoy the world take some precautions to make sure to protect you and more importantly others because a this is a viral pandemic and if we are able to lock the virus down to only a few people and wait and are able to make those people Outweight the transmission period for that virus, we can defeat it. Unfortunately, it seems that um, both the lack of testing and how for for people under the for um, for the vast majority of people under the age of 50. This virus just feels like either a flu or a, ba- a slightly bad cold. Sometimes it's not even that, and we have to we're still trying to find out if people who are completely asymptomatic are carriers and spreaders. or if when you're completely asymptomatic, um, you may not be spreading at all. or um, if there are people who could even just get it as bad as a cold, are they really spreading effectively or are they not? Um, you've got tons of questions to that um, need to be asked. And we're asking all those questions. And the thing is, um, the information is trickling out as quickly as it can. and But it is a trickle, unfortunately. Um, we have vaccines that are being rushed by Pfizer, by AstraZeneca. And by rushed, I mean being rushed in the right way. They are going as quickly as they can, as safely as they can. They don't like... Um, they're not happy about political interference from both gov- from governments and from major organizations that are like, get it done quickly because we need those effing vaccines today. Um, most of these organizations, you can see how they're doing it. They are like, we're getting skeptical of taking government funds because we're scared that by the time we get a vaccine, the government that gave us the most funds is going to say, oh, because we funded your effort, we want the first 100 million doses. It's just... And if you don't give it to us, we're going to make sure you can't sell it anywhere else. And that is harmful. Um, I think it was Bayer or Pfizer basically um, said that they were going to completely self-fund their development because they didn't want political, uh, political will from nations determining who got the vaccine first and uh, what protocols would be avoided or listened to during the creation of the vaccine. And, of course, then you've got all these companies pouring millions and millions of dollars into the vaccine, and some of them are fearing, like, well, what happens if Earth reaches reaches uh, the majority reaches a herd immunity event before we can get the vaccine out? So we spend all this this fortune, um, these, these mega fortunes on making these vaccines, and by the time we get them done, it turns out that um, the vast majority of the human population is, has reached herd immunity. Now, the research will tell us we may be able to make a vaccine for novel viruses in general and there might also be some antiviral uh, technology that's developed that allows them to fight more deadly diseases uh, quicker. We might be able to actually have a chance of saving people who have the Ebola and virus. I mean granted that's uh, detection and again that's the problem about detecting people who have it and getting onto it very quickly but imagine if they find a way like yeah if you get Ebola and you get this pill within day three you're going to survive. That would be great. Um, so let's hope that that happens. Um, Halloween, will it happen? I mean, L.A. says it's not going to uh, for that city. Good luck telling uh, Los Angelitos that they're not going to have Halloween, uh, L.A. <laughs> uh, if they want to do something, they're just going to go do it, I think. And the same with, I think, most of the rest of the world. Uh, New York probably can get away with it because they've got way more police officers and the state would probably also be on that side. That de Blasio's just, oh, what a jerk. Uh, so then we have the playstation and xbox series pre-orders and the art and the nvidia uh new graphics cards their new geforce rtx cards the 3080 and 3090 series launch uh 3070s are next month or november maybe no october i think november might be at 3060 well those launches were fiascos because of bots buying um buying up faster like you know what was um Um, bump alerts or whatever the hell they're called like which started primarily as a shoe um, based based uh, thing for like limited edition sneakers and stuff like that Um, they helped people get in line and like you know had bot scripts that you could buy like 14 or 15 graphics cards and then some people were buying like three or four playstations and multiple Xboxes, and the Xbox actually had the worst one where people were buying the Xbox One X because Xbox has just, like, their naming conventions are kind of terrible where they went from Xbox to Xbox 360, to the Xbox One, and then they had the S and the, the X series, X sub versions of those, and then they go to Xbox Series S and Xbox Series X, S versus X, and it's series. You guys need to increase your naming convention and, I mean, somebody made the argument, um, I heard this on last Tech Tips, uh, the WAN show yesterday, from Luke, about um, how calling it the Xbox 4 would seem inferior to the PlayStation 5. It's like, okay, well then, like, pick a very unique name. Like, why don't you just call it, like, the Xbox Series X was like Project Scarlet, wasn't it? Like, just go by their project names. I, I At some point, I, I'll say this, like, I almost wish that the Nintendo GameCube, oh, sorry, Trigger bumped his little head there. Oh, um, I wish the pro- the GameCube had actually been called pro- Dolphin. Like its its project name was Dolphin. Um, throwing little f- weird facts out here. So you know, bots are going to be part of a future. I mean, they can build uh, those. other guys can build more and more captures and stuff like that that will slow the bots down. But it's essentially going to be an arms race, much like the viral arms, the uh, viral infectious arms race, and you know the hacking arms race, like. Like, really, the goal is more just to make sure that on launch day you're letting the people who actually want the cards to use it or the items to use it getting it. Because we're seeing this happen with the the limited supply of switches all around the world where the bots are using it and they're flipping them on eBay pretty quickly. Um, granted, like, physical, I think what you're going to start seeing, um, unfortunately, in this time, it's harder to do that, is getting the getting the uh, physical copies out and having people go to stores because of COVID-19. Also, because we're moving into the cold of flu season, who knows what COVID-19 is going to mean to that. Like, um, you know, shopping malls and stuff like that. That's, that's going to be a weird time where I think in general for the future, a benefit would be like when people are shopping after, you know, Black Friday and, you know, for the holiday season, maybe just wear a mask in general. Um, like, you know, like a surgical mask or something like that, or an N ninety-five, or some of these fabric masks that you can buy, just to protect you and others? Like I think that would just be a good idea in the long run. Uh I think the uh Japanese and the Koreans and uh Chinese, you know, the South the, the South Asian's population, I think they have they were on to something there. What are you going for, Trigger? There's nothing up there. No. <laughs> He's looking at <laughs> No. No trigger. He's trying to steal a fricking, uh, no, no. <laughs> he's trying to steal a microfiber cloth to play around with it. Cause he likes playing around and throwing them around. No, you get your toy. You've got your toys. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. They're not as fun. Hey, how, y- how's it going? He sees, Oh, hey, buddy. Oh, he's been a trigger. has been a little gem. <laughs> just, just give me a second here, little buddy. I know, I know. You want pets. You want to go out soon. Oh, he just bumped the mic. How you doing, Trigger? You doing? How's Trigger doing? You doing okay, Trigger? <laughs> Bop. Bop the mic with your nose, why don't you? <laughs> this is actually going along better than I thought. <laughs> so that, uh let's go talk about Nintendo. So, Hyrule Warriors is making a prequel uh, for Breath of the Wild, based on the Calamity. Um, which that looks like going to be an awesome game. Like anything more Hyrule Warriors just sounds cool. Um, we have Super Mario 3D All Stars came out, uh, which is limited availability until the end of March, uh, both physical and digital copies. What the hell, Nintendo? That being said, the games play very well. Um, they're fun. Uh, what else do we have? Um, um, more confirmation about Metroid Prime Four with more uh, hirings from all across the uh, video game industry. Oh yeah, Xbox bought ZeniMax, which means they own Bethesda, id softworks, and uh, Machine Games, and who's the uh, the studio that made um, Dishonored? The Dishonored series, like that's that's big pie out. So now uh, from fifteen to like twenty four studios that they own. No trigger. Um, Microsoft is buying up a bunch of games. Now, granted, they do have some guaranteed, like either exclusives or timed exclusives that were with uh, that Bethesda and Zenimax had with Sony prior to, and it looks like those will be honored. Um, what your hope is is that we're not going to see the ecosystem of gaming carved up, where Sony publishers, Sony owned developers only publish for Sony, uh, Microsoft owned developers only only release for Microsoft. And Nintendo owned, will only release for Nintendo, and the third market, like, the third parties, like EA, Activision, uh, Ubisoft, eventually get consumed and bought up by one of those three coalitions, and basically it's just, like, a near pseudo-monopoly is created, like an oligopoly, where there's, like, four, four real players, and they all make the same agreement, like, we'll charge, no matter what, our games are gonna charge, cost $90, which is, what their are probably gonna be. That reminds me, so the so the DualSense 5 controller costs the same as the Nintendo Switch Pro controller. Nintendo, you need to drop your prices for your Pro Controller, because there's no way it has as good technology as the DualSense for 89 bucks. Just saying. Um that's the most expensive controller on the market. Standard controller. Standard controller. Um the Xbox uh Pro like their so Pro controllers are still like Exanely expensive like those are like what 150 to 200 dollars the gen 2s? sometimes you have more than that um so that looks good uh me and a buddy have been playing terraria and um on a little server that's going well My I'm playing minecraft again on my personal server I want to get a few of my friends back on it but uh, some of them are a bit uh, dicky about the whole fucking thing about just hanging out in general so, yeah, that's kind of annoying. Uh, Tabletop Simulator has really been a great boon during this time of social distancing to play board games with the bros almost every Saturday, almost every Sunday night. Um, we have NFL football, which, you know, watch a bit tomorrow. Um, U.S. elections. Trump Pence versus Biden Kamala. Were you. He was trying to chew the chair instead of his little rubber grenade. Why would he chew the metal over the grenade that's rubber and got rope around it? I'll never understand that part of dog. Uh, Yeah, so the U.S. election, like Trump, Pence versus uh, Biden and Harris. If it wasn't for the fact that Joe Biden has Kamala Harris, if he had had taken somebody who is less... uh, Less use of force and use of the state to coerce people. And more of somebody like you know Tulsi Gabbard, uh, she's more libertarian uh, in a degree. I may not like her stance on social policies in the country, but her anti-interventionist policies are largely better. She also is for police reform. Um, she's, she's she has some socialist safety nets and like free universe and stuff like that. But she also has, um, she would have been smarter, and she really did zing Kamala a few times during the debate, and Kamala deserves it. Kamala just seems like, ah, I mean, she's not Hillary Clinton, but she might be worse. Like, Hillary Clinton, at least you know that it's all about the power. Kamala just seems to be like, it's about me having the power, versus Hillary Clinton was about, like, I need to be the first to do it. And it seems weird. I I just don't like Kamala Harris from her criminal, uh, you know, from her being the attorney general of California and then being a senator who's just been like been in position to do enact police reform in the largest state and does absolutely nothing and laughs and in fact blocks reforms. Like uh, one of the examples that Reason brought up was um, people, uh, you know, people in in for life or death row uh, couldn't she wouldn't allow DNA-based appeals until the Supreme Court of California uh, su- basically said she had no choice, that she had to allow it, and then found out that one of, the, one of these guys who was on death row was completely innocent and finally got let off, and she was vehement that, no, 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 DNA won't do anything, so why would I allow it? Like, just, that's disgusting. Um, you know, how she blocked uh, nonviolent criminals from early release, because she said the state needed the, uh, the prison labor, um, How she had an how, So actually, let me amend this. I don't know if she increased the amount of uh, arrests for just drug possession, but I know that she made jokes about it and that she didn't do much to really curtail arrest, like arresting nonviolent drug offenders who basically all it was was possession or very small distribution, but oh, those people have to go to prison. You know, you just wish that there was uh, some of that uh, corrections. And we go on to the U.S., still riding from the George, uh, George Floyd death and various other events that have followed up, which, yeah, you know, what was it? Um, was it Washington Post said that 90, or New York Times said that 93% of riot of the uh, protests have been peaceful. It's like, yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it in percentage-wise, but how many of those protests happen a day? And 7% is a lot it should be next to 0%. And they've just and I think that that's really going to harm the democrats in the election is to def- trying to defend the the rioting like so protesting like going in the street and blocking traffic for a few minutes making your voice heard going around the city hall um you know confronting the mayor and the the city government and the police chief and saying like why why can you not institute um greater checks on your police or or demanding um, qualified immunity and criminal justice reform by your politicians instead of they're like, oh, no, 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 we're not going to do that. Like, that is a question that's worth fighting for and could lead to drastic, like, equality changes, stuff like that. But no, no, what do we get? We get, um, uh, you know, you get the mayor of Portland who... Tells the police to stand down so more businesses that had nothing to do with anything get damaged. The courthouse, then you get Kenosha, you get um, like the businesses that uh, got burned down in Wisconsin, Minneapolis and St. Paul's. It's like, oh, that's that's terrible. But they have insurance like, well, are you sure they had 100 percent insurance or do they only have like catastrophic insurance for certain things? And is there like insurance only cover twenty five thousand dollars? in b- removal of the debris, and the debris costs $100,000 to remove. So now it's like, well, that's seventy-five dollars Plus, my building's gone. My company is gone. It will take me all time to get up. The insurance paperwork is going to be insane. I'm probably not going to get it all out. Oh, and they might uh, decide that because it was burnt out during a riot, it was an unexpected, like, my clause does not help me for that. It's like, people who say, oh, you have insurance. It's like, you obviously have never used insurance. Yeah, I'm speaking as a guy who... That's not needed to make an insurance claim on anything, thank God. But the insurance company's goal is to pay out just enough, like basically what the policy says, with all the um, addendums and amendments they can put in that would say, okay, well, because of this, we can drop the payout this way. Uh, this was things that you could have controlled to make your things So we're going to drop that down. Here's punishments for that. Here's where our coverage is. Blah blah blah. You like like you see how that gets really 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 annoying and just keeps going and then um this week we had the Briona Ta- Taylor um grand jury information like uh, release uh by the uh, by the AG the Attorney General for the state or the district attorney I think it was the attorney general Boy was that a shit show <laughs> Uh, they called in the National Guard and got state of an emergency beforehand, which that's a sign of, uh oh, something's wrong here. Uh, the city's probably not going to like this. So, first of all, one officer was charged with three counts of wanton endangerment. And this was an officer who had already been relieved of duty on the force and been fired because he had shot into a blindfolded, like, you know, basically a, dr- a window draped with blinds, like that he could not see through any sh- fire tent shots. The shots did not hit anyone, did not hit Brown Taylor or her boyfriend, um, uh, whose last name I only know is Walker, did not hit him or Brianna Taylor. What they did is they went through the walls and into three other apartments, and he got one in danger because a father and uh, two of his children were in the uh, like no, it was a family and a child who was in the apo- uh, like the next apartment that the bullets went by and could have injured them. them. So that that charge makes sense. Um, I think you could have also thrown on a reckless endangerment charge just in general, but okay. Um, the two officers who breached the doorway and shot Brianna Taylor, um, one who definitely did, the other one who shot at her boyfriend, and there's been information that, that, um, let's say this, the conservatives are trying to make a winning point here about, oh, well, well, her death was justified because of this, 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 and this, or saying like, oh, she's not this, she wasn't this angel of a being and stuff like that, and they're throwing largely false information out There. There. Some of this stuff has been fact checked and corrected. And then, like, some of it was purported by people who weren't even connected to the case. Like, first thing was she was killed in her bed, and there were, were information like that. And I think that was a mix up um, from a couple of libertarian posts, and maybe some other people grabbed the uh, the Duncan Lemp story. Because Duncan Lemp was a guy who was killed, as if police just fired into the house. And, like, the body cam footage is still unavailable. Like, I don't even know what's happened with that. So I'm going to have to look that up later. Um, we do know that, um, that the, the AG tried to say it was a tragedy, which it, her death was, uh, that the raid was not no-knock, even though the warrant absolutely explicitly says it is. Um, the officer, that only one witness claims that the officers announced themselves as well as the police. Um, there's been evidence that that uh, witness only claimed that after like the third or fourth meeting with uh, the police. Did not say it in the first two. And that a bunch of other neighbors said they did not hear anything. And usually during a no-knock warrant, you can just break in. But you should be like... There's a Washington Post opinion piece. Now, it's an opinion piece, but it does have facts in it. And, um, and I would say some of it needs to be taken with a grain of salt. Um, there was misinformation. They do willingly admit that. But they did say, well, why was the warrants requested a no-knock if these guys did knock and announce themselves? They obviously didn't need to if it was a no-knock warrant. Um, there had been an ambulance that had originally gone to that location, but then police had shoo- told it to leave because they were going to execute their warrant. Um, there was no compelling evidence in the warrant request that said that this was a dangerous situation. Besides her, just, she might destroy drugs. Um, there was very little evidence to connect her to her ex-boyfriends, um, which was the person who they were actually searching for. And his drug activities, besides from the fact that she had loaned him a vehicle once and had received mail for him and bailed him out of prison twice, but her new boyfriend, by all all accounts and cases, uh, Mr. Walker was not even connected to any of that. Also, after the thing, they did search the house and they found no illicit drugs or cash. So, um, I guess those officers didn't get the memo to bring the, uh, bring the amount that they can just hide somewhere and, you know, like just drop on somebody and say, oh, look what we found, you know, like the, uh, what's it called, the planted stuff, <laughs> making jokes, but like, seriously, are we surprised, we, we shouldn't be surprised, like, if there had been stuff, it would have been like, really, really, give us evidence of that, um, now, there was things that she died in bed, no, she died in the hallway with um, with her boyfriend, uh, who went to the door, or after hearing the banging, was co- and fired one shot down, and was shot back at by two plainclothes police officers, two detectives who were in plain clothes who had no, almost no identification and he called police panicking about it all. So it's interesting that like if he was a criminal, why would he call police and panic about it? Like that's generally not the thing criminals do. So there needs to be questions about the chain of command of the warrant process. Um, there was stuff about how um, the, uh, the judge who signed the warrant signed five in 12 minutes. And there's been things saying, like, these were ex- extremely detailed warrants that would have taken a while to understand, oh, maybe what happened is she read the first one or the second one and said, like, okay, I understand that. And then, like, realized the other th- the other three are all in the same group and maybe skimmed and stamped them. Um, there's a question about that. Also, the chain of command where, like, the detective who requested the warrants or um, resigned from police after this action. Um the city's still paying twelve million out for wrongful death in, in the wrongful death settlement. So and how um Walker himself, like his charge of like a threat like attempted murder of a police officer, was dropped extremely quickly after he was imprisoned. Sort of makes you think there's a lot more there. Also, um the police saying that uh there's evidence that they knocked, and yet they only have one evidence of uh, one witness, and they say there's more than that. It's like so was there dash cam or something that you've not released that would have had that? Um is there radio transcripts that maybe would be important that is not being shown? So the well, Washington Post uh, the editorial asked the thing, release all the evidence. Because there's problems here. Like, was the grand jury steered in a way? And there's a concern about that, because that concern goes all the way back to Mike Brown um and, and the Ferguson riots. Now the thing with um the Mike Brown case was Like there were 29 witnesses to what happened and the 29 witnesses were the vast majority of them were African American from that community uh, were out in their house and they were the ones who originally said Mike Brown was the aggressor and they never changed their story there was never any change there was never interviewed thousands of times and like okay they changed their story after that it seemed like the Brown Taylor thing like the one witness who says the police identified himself changed the story a few times until finally that stayed on yes the police did that it reminds me of the um, more recent case where, in Phoenix, the Phoenix police sent to uh, look, check up on a house because somebody made a noise complaint, and in the video, the audio of the phone call transcript of the noise complaint, he basically said, "I'll say that they're doing anything just to get to just to to get police here faster." and uh, dispatch should have maybe passed that on. Maybe there's a policy where they don't pass that on, or maybe they tried to, and that information wasn't listened to by the officers who responded, because the guy then a- a- opens his door in the middle of the night. Uh, somebody knocks. He's got a gun, because it's the middle of the night, and it's like, oh, somebody's knocking on my door. Who the heck's that? Uh, the police officers strategically placed themselves on the opposite sides of the door so that the peephole could not see them, so then he opens the door to look around, and he sees the first officer, and he's shocked, and the second officer sees his gun and just shoots him. Now the one who shot him sh- should be in should be in jail for murder because uh you know murder two or probably murder three actually more effectively because those guys, first of all they you know they were there under false pretenses because the next the downstairs person who made the phone call even admitted that he would say anything just to get the police there to be faster, so that immediately would have been like. Dispatch and the police should be like, okay, so send an officer up and cautiously knock. Like, this, the dude who's complaining, we shouldn't take his word for it. And I know this is not the real thing, but like, and then there's uh, the officer just shooting a guy standing in his doorway because he's got a gun. It's like, this is Phoenix. Most people, uh, it's a red state. Most, like, you're allowed to open carry your firearms with nothing. You, you are, ve- it's very easy to get a concealed carry permit there. As long as you have a driver's license, it is a shall issue state. And they're like, oh, oh, a guy had a gun. We're surprised. We shoot him. It's like. And the thing and the same with Kentucky where you don't need since 2019, you didn't need a concealed carry license to get a um, firearm. Although Walker, Taylor's boyfriend, did have a concealed carry permit, which means that he passed all the background checks. Um, He had no criminal record. He was probably on the up and up. It's very hard to get one of those guns. Like he had a license. He had all that. You didn't need it anymore, but he had it from earlier than that, so he did all the right things. He admitted that he shot first because somebody broke down the door. What do you think's going to happen in the 12.40 a.m., somebody breaking down the door? So now there's questions about, like, why did the police still change the time stamps of, like, when they did things? Um, uh you know, they used a threat analysis uh, matrix to figure out what to have. So the other roads, raids that were going on, four, three of the other four raids had SWAT teams in them. Now, of course, because they're SWAT teams, their guys are heavier armed. But they're also wearing uniforms that directly identify what they are. Um, those were also no-knock raids. They usually have paramedics and support staff on site to deal with injuries and, injuries and, and uh, situations where innocent people are caught in the crossfire and injured. But this one again, as I said earlier, they shooed the uh, the ambulance away before going on the raid, because they're scared. Um, there's no evidence, but they said like, "Oh, it would, it would attract attention," and the Brown Daily was a dangerous drug thing. It's like the evidence that she was involved was needs to be examined because it sounds like it was a story written up because they thought. The better, the more people we arrest, our better records are going to be. It, it is. It almost seems like they were doing a Compstat sort of thing, like in in uh, major cities. Compstat. Uh, it's more of an American thing. I don't know if it's in Canada as much, but basically, it's like how many bad guys did you pull off the street today, today or this week? And so then you, you get all that statistics, and then you send it to the main, um, you know, the main station, and then that you know that um, that precinct sends it down to the head to the head and then it gets stranded up to, poli- to the police chief and then sent to the politicians of the city and say so like, oh, here's how much safer we're making the city, which like you know, okay, so it's just arrests and all this things, so it's like crimes we've committed, but some of that's like vague information that can't be really led into anything, like okay, you arrested 50, like this precinct arrested 55 people, and then when you get to the charging time or like, you know, when it's trial time, it turns out like, well, all of them had very low-key possession so they probably weren't committing any crime that annoyed anybody. Like, okay, you got two guys. One guy ran around with a knife. Yeah, okay, good. And then you had um, one guy with a gun who was definitely illegal. And then you had one guy who had a gun, but he had everything right. But you guys were just like, ah, the traffic stopped because he was three miles over the speed limit. And we had to arrest him because he had a gun and he admitted to it and all this. And, of course, then that gets dropped and all this bullshit. So there needs to be... Uh, uh questions about the chain of command through Louisville police and basically is we changes at it and potentially even like you know oh, uh removal of qualified immunity for um people who write up fake warrants like what happened with um that fake drug warrant in the uh in Austin, Texas or was it Dallas I think it was Austin yeah I think it was Austin police where there was that fake um I don't know maybe it's Houston it was yeah, it was Houston, I believe, where there was that uh, guy who had his fake informant who didn't actually exist, claimed that a family was doing drugs, and so then the, the police showed up in force and shot their way into the house, killing the dog and the two family members. Um, and one officer was seriously wounded because the guy. Uh, and then it turns out after months and months of uh, litigation, it finds out the uh, complete evidence of why the police went in was completely fabricated by the one officer, and that all of his other cases and like the CI name that was used turns out to be completely fake and nobody of that name exists in the in the CI database and he admits he made it all up just because he needed to keep his arrests high to keep his score going. That's crazy. It reminds me um, of another... Um, corruption from seattle where the most paid seattle public employee this year uh for the fiscal year of 2019 was a police officer who racked in a ridiculous amount of overtime basically saying he worked 80 hours a week every week plus some weeks he worked 120 hours for overtime and made made like somewhere like 400 plus thousand dollars a year like just like obscenely high and the, when questioned, the police department's like, well, uh, you know, they sign out these, uh, these overtime forms and we just stamp them because we don't have a lot of way to clarify. It's like, that tells you that you need a way to clarify and confirm that that is overtime that he's actually using. Or is uh, one of the things um, one defense attorney, um, public defender, said that, that when somebody gets arrested, um, I think it was in Seattle, in fact, this public defender said this, um, which really, no, it was Washington, D.C., Maybe, may uh, I think it was when she was Seattle. Maybe it was Seattle. I'm not 100 percent sure about that. But she said that one of the things she always does is she always checks the officer's time, requests the officer's time sheet and shift schedule for when the arrest comes in, because she noticed that within the last hour of most officers, they would make these like small arrests, but it would take three to four hours to process. So there's three to four hours of overtime now added in at the end of their day. And it's probably like a possession charge, so like that. Like that's what she does for the ninety percent. And of course, most of those get thrown out. But then, you know, they get thrown out because the D.A. is like, what the f- like, he's got three grams. Who gives a fuck about that? Like, he's never done anything else wrong. He doesn't have a gun. He never violently. He was surrendered without a problem. We don't need th- this guy. Like, he's gonna cost this much. He's only gonna use a public defender. Just- what's the freaking point? It's his first offense. Like, what's the point of he'll. Its defender will plea bargain it down. I've got so many other things on my go. I'm not this guy, guy. And you're, you're you as an officer, like it looks like you were kind of dickish. The video shows that you may have been the aggressor. Like we're just gonna throw this case out. So of course the, the officer gets his time. The DA DA staff gets their time. The public defender gets some money, um, which the public defender is probably the only person in that situation who should be getting paid because there's like hey, the police uh, department is doing something wrong. Of course the judge. Getting paid too, but that makes sense because there is you know, the judge needs to observe these things. But it's like, oh God, there needs to be so much change in the criminal justice system in the United States. And you know, you need to really rip apart qualified immunity, and where these officers think oh, we can just get away with this. What's going to happen to me? I don't care. I can get away with it. That's, that's, that's a very dangerous mindset that the police officers are now in on. All right, so let's finish up this episode. So um, going back to the video games. So Ace Combat 7, uh, within the next month or so, um, so from October 1st to November 5th, when the premium Ace Combat 7 edition comes out in Ch- Japan, hopefully it gets a larger release around the world, but probably it will only be in Japan, which has all the DLC, we know that we are getting the 25th anniversary original aircraft Um uh, d l. c so that includes the c f a forty four Nosferatu, um oh, gosh uh, the x f a one uh i don't even remember what that one's called i don't even think that's the name and then we get the uh the sheridan from um um uh, gosh I, I know i'm pronouncing that wrong from ace combat assault horizon the uh unique super plane from japan um so that's cool we're gonna get three more super planes in the game uh i can't wait to play all those uh hopefully it comes earlier in October versus November. It'd be nice to have it before November 5th. It obviously must be out before November 5th, if that's when the premium edition is going to drop. But, uh, another thing, uh, let's go into Strange Reel. Today, which is September 25th, in Strange Reel, uh, specifically, specifically during the first Usian Continental War, or which happened in Ace Combat 4 for all of us, the Shattered Skies, um, uh, Operation Judgment Day by ISAF was launched, um, and their goal was to destroy the mega, the Ur- Arushan- rogue for resistant forces out in the Megalith, the um basically the remains of the Arusian military-, military, after their defeat during the Continental War and the claim, the um, uh, invasion and cl- and uh, defeat at Forbati. Uh, now Mobius One led Mobius Squadron to an ISAF victory there with uh, with Sky Eye overseeing. It's a good thing to watch. Uh, good thing. I love playing that level. Um, the music on that level is just levels above. And really showed that the guys, um, when Ace Combat relaunched their series, sort of like did their soft recreation of it, starting in Ace Combat 4, where they decided instead of being like this, this, they wanted to put a better story in their arcade. still can't be story, but it's still, it's an arcade flight game. They really did, put a lot of emphasis also on music and tone of the movie, uh, the game, and that really pays off. So that's what we're going to end today. Thank you all for listening. This was uh, Locked Down the Crazy Bread. <laughs> and that's that's an homage to uh, to uh, Dan Avedon of uh, Game Grubs where he, he made a joke in one of the episodes about when he orders Crazy Bread, he always has to put a crazy spin on it. Crazy crazy accent or whatever which is really funny um so yeah that's about it uh, thank you all for tuning in and listening and uh i'll see you talk to you all again soon hopefully um depends on how bored and how motivated everything's going all right bye